We are here to provide an informative and entertaining method to reach out to our community of Spruce Grove. Our goal is to build connections within our society. If you have any questions or concerns about anything you hear on this podcast, you can email us at sgplpodcast at yrl.ab.ca. Courtney. Hi Simone. So we're here for another Behind the Stacks, our first run for February. Woo-woo, it's February already. The month of love. Oh yes, and Black History Month. Can you believe it's February though? Like where did January go? Yeah, it's blinking you miss it really. Yeah, I'm still floored. I'm like how, how, what did I do? What happened? <laughs> we know things happen, but it just. Yeah, we, we did do things. The library, we're always doing things. We are. We're very busy. Um, curbside pickups have been really popular, hey? Oh, super popular. I mean, I'm usually on the reference desk, but I like to help out because there's only two peeps at the curbside pickup service. So whenever I pick up and then by the time I get back to my desk, I'm like, oh, another phone call. And I'm just back and forth, back and forth. Mm-hmm. So that's great. I'm, I'm so glad that we are still able to provide entertainment for the community and especially during you know, this time. Yes, I'm glad we can provide some excellent services, which we're going to get into later in the show. So let's start with, we got a new kind of-ish segment. It's going to be called... What's you reading? Or watching, or listening, or playing. As you mentioned, February is Black History Month here in Canada. Very important month. The book I've been reading fits in with that. It's a graphic novel. It's called Big Black Stand at Attica. It's about Frank Big Black Smith... He was a prisoner at Attica State Prison in 1971, and he formed a rebellion against the injustices of the prison system there, and it ended up being one of the bloodiest civil rights confrontations in American history. So basically, the, the prisoners, they'd get like a one roll of toilet paper a month. Food was really bad. It's it just like that you're in prison, obviously, so it's not going to be like a hotel, but you should get your basic needs met, you know, food, hygiene, stuff like that. But they were just treated terribly. And so Big Black and a group of other prisoners wrote uh, a letter of demands saying that they just want to be treated with respect and dignity. And the prison um, authorities decided that instead of discussing the demands with them, they would just attack and so they just came in, shot the prisoners, shot the hostages, and it was it was a bloodbath, really. And then Big Black got uh, captured by a couple of guards who were really angry about the whole thing happening in the first place, and he, he got tortured. And once he was released from prison, they sued Attica, and it took about 26 years for them to get any compensation. So it was it was a really great book. It's very sad. Just today, this is still so relevant. Racism. Frank was fighting for what's right. He went to prison for armed robbery. And he was, you know, fully prepared to serve his sentence. But he just didn't stand for the way he and the other prisoners were being treated. 
beaten or just silenced. So much corruption. There's a foreword at the beginning from Frank's attorney. That's kind of an introduction to the story. Oh, what a sad but powerful graphic novel, you said, right? Yes, and uh, really good illustrations. And definitely worth reading. So I've been reading lately lots of books. I made the mistake of reading a lot of YA, so that's young adult books. I've got a list here. I've read uh, The Beast Heart by Leif Shalcross, Sisters of Sword and Song by Rebecca Ross, mm-hmm. Don't Call the Wolf by Alexandra Ross, Blood mm-hmm. and Honey by Shelby Maherin, The Bone Houses by uh, Emily Lloyd-Jones, Lightbringer by Claire Legrand, and Among the Beast and Briars by Ashley Poston. And I'm not going to lie, because mm-hmm. I read all of them in probably like two weeks, Mm-hmm. <laughs> they've all blended together so because <laughs> they're all very similar they're all fantasy books I mean they were all really good reads a lot they, of um, they were all good okay they were but a lot of like strong uh independent females that was a big one uh the mm-hmm. beast heart was basically like a retelling of the beauty and the beast but more from like the beast perspective okay um which was great blood and honey was of course the second book in that series about uh, witches. And there was another one. Oh, Lightbringer was the third book by Claire Legrand in the series. So it was kind of like finishing up some series, um, some duologies and trilogies. And so it was just like a whirlwind of fantasy and um, mystic. I really enjoyed it. I just finished like two days ago. It's a book called The Library of the Unwritten. Ooh. Oh, Simone, it's a good book. I've been on this kick now. I have about three books that have to do with like libraries. So basically the library of the unwritten, the premise is that every book left unfinished by its author is filed in the unwritten wing, which is a neutral space in hell. And it's presided over by uh, Claire. She's the head librarian. And I believe she's like the sassy Brit. She's just so funny. She's kind of got that almost like Doctor Who wit and humor, like very just blunt. I don't think she doesn't have a heart, but she just... She's so blunt. I love it. Like, she's, like, my favorite character. I hope I can be a librarian like her one day. Oh, every library needs a sassy Brit, I think. Right? So the entire kind of premise about it is a hero gets out of his book to Mm -hmm. try to search for his author, but Claire must track, obviously, the hero of the book and capture him with the help of former muse and current assistant, Brevity, and then a nervous demon curer, Leto. But then, of course, it all goes wrong, and then their paths cross with a fallen angel, and it's just like this battle of like heaven, hell, and earth within the realm of like this librarian. It's just so fun. I, I loved it. It was a good read. And as I was reading what other people thought of it, because I'm like, okay, I really like it. But what does the general uh, <laughs> consensus say? Everyone's yeah. saying this book would be fantastic as a movie. And I couldn't agree more. It's, it's a good book. Okay. Housekeeping. Our new community craft is available to pick up this month. It is Watercolour Hearts. Request yours with our curbside pickup service. So next we have all our in-person programs will be postponed until our library building space is open. Check out our virtual program lineup at sgpl.ca. We have a virtual reptile party happening on Saturday 20th of February from 2 to 3. Free online registration is available at sgpl.ca under programs. And with this awesome program presented by Edmonton Reptile Parties, participants will learn what reptiles make good and not so great choices, the responsibility and requirements for them, and much more. You'll get to see reptiles up close and personal, 
with this interactive and educational program. Space okay. is limited, so you'll want to register right away. The age is seven and up. So we have a pet theme kind of going on here next. We have a pet reading challenge. We're asking the young readers of Spruce Grove to send us a photo of your pets reading a book, magazine, digital book, ebook, etc. Um, and then you could be entered to win a grand prize draw. Oh, and it also says toys and stuffed animal readers also accepted. Exactly. So if you don't have um, a furry little pet with you, you can have your best stuffy friend is also accepted. Which I kind of like because not everyone has a pet. So how do you participate in the Kids Pet Reading Challenge? Well, it's super simple. Let me tell you. You can email asgprogramming at yrl.ab.ca. Uh, submit your photos. The deadline is February 28th of 2021. So that's the last day of February. The entries must include the photo, uh, name and age of the human participant, hmm. um, name of the pet featured, uh, name of the item being read, and that's it. Uh, which pet would you choose to read a book with you? I would choose my cat, Daisy. I feel Quinn would get a bit bored and maybe start trying to chew on the book which you don't want she'd want to play with you she's like i don't want to read i want to play yeah. reading later play now exactly virtual pokemon club who yes. is your favorite pokemon oh my back. favorite pokemon <laughs> so it was eevee and all the evolutions but if i had to pick like a favorite out of that it would be umbreon which is like the dark version because i really like dark pokemon and fire pokemon Umbreon would be my favorite. How about yours? Snorlax. <laughs> always was and always will be Snorlax. <laughs> it's pretty popular too, so. If, if I were a Pokemon, that's exactly who I'd be. Blocking paths and sleeping? Yes. <laughs> All you Pokemon trainers and Pokemon fans out there, visit our website, sgpl.ca, under Programs, Virtual Pokemon Club, where each month we'll post Pokemon-themed activities, crafts, and recipes along with other related fun things to do. Okay, next one, uh, we have a new carousel on the website. So that's that, if you head to our website, sgpl.ca, scroll down to the bottom, there's kind of like a, a bunch of books. <laughs> mm -hmm. On the fancy side of terms, we call that a carousel. So if you just have no idea what to read or watch, we have uh, some books and movies uh, that were picked by our staff. So right now it's uh, Sarah's. So you can head on to our website, see what Sarah likes, and choose some stuffs. She has quite the mix. She does. Gotta scroll all the way to the bottom of our page because we've got other ones that have been out there for a while, like new to our shelves, indigenous picks, romantic reads, inspiring books about plants for kids. Usually those two change quite frequently. Mm -hmm. And then now I got a staff pick. Wonderful. On to our next segment. Tech time. For this episode of Tech Time, we're going to talk about getting your library card online through our website, sgpl.ca. So to get started, go to our website. At the top of the screen, you'll see it says services. Click on that. It will show library memberships in the list of options. Once you pressed on that, you'll see that it gives you an option to get your card in the library or to get it online. And that's what we're going to do today as unfortunately the library is still currently closed due to government restrictions with COVID. So where it says visit us online to register for a temporary card, press the word online, which is in blue. You're now going to select your home library, enter your postal code, and then click continue. 
Here you'll put in your information, so your name, your birth date, your address, contact information. This is for when we contact you to let you know your card is coming up for renewal or a hold you placed has come in. So add your email and your phone number. And then you could add your preference for what kind of notification you'd like to receive. You can have phone, text or email. You're going to then come to login information where you're going to create a username and password for yourself. Your username cannot have any spaces in it. The password can be anything you choose, something easy for you to remember but not easy for other people to guess. Once you've typed in your password, you're going to type it in again under verification to make sure it's correct. And once you've done that, hit submit. It'll now come to a page that says, thank you, your registration has been recorded. And underneath that, your temporary barcode is. You're going to want to make sure you write this down or paste it into your notes. There's a collection of letters and numbers starting with PAC. That's going to be your temporary barcode. That's what you're going to use to log into the website, to use our e-resources for audiobooks, ebooks, movies, magazines, learning, a whole host of things. So once you've got that noted down, and that's going to go with the password you created earlier on as well, you're going to click here to log on. So click on here. So it's now asking for your username or barcode. You can either put in the username you created or the barcode that was just generated into your password and press log on. Once you've done that, you'll come to a screen that shows your name, username, where you're registered and when you registered. And in the top right hand corner of the screen, you'll see your name. So once you're signed up for your card, you can go to home and explore our website. Your temporary account will be good for three months and grants you access to all of our e-resources, including ebook borrowing. So you can start downloading ebooks, audiobooks right away. So I hope you found this helpful. And of course, if you have any questions, give us a call 780-962-4423 or email us at library at sgpl.ca. Next up, we have what's happening in Spruce Grove. We have Stony Plain FCSS Connection Challenge. What is that you ask? Well, let me tell you. Uh, February is seen as the month of connection with Valentine's Day and Family Day. Uh, in the spirit of connection, uh, FCSS is launching the February Connection Challenge. So residents are encouraged to connect with their families, friends, and neighbors, build community, and strengthen Stony Plains, Spruce Grove, and Parkland County's community spirit. So there is on their website a connection card and contest details. So since this is a tri-region kind of initiative, it should be also available on Spruce Grove's FCSS. I went to stonyplain.com. Uh, where uh, lots of FCSS stuff is housed there. Mm -hmm. And make sure you get to the connecting to your community and a subtitle there. And if you go to that, they've got all their stuff there for, um, oh, they got tons of stuff here where they got, they got the Dimension Connections Project, Neighborhood Connect, Senior Connect for the Tri-Region, the Help Seeker app, which we are a part of, but they also have the February Connection Challenge. So if you just click on the little plus sign there, click. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you get your connection card, there's the poster. We'll have some stuff posted on our social medias and winners will be announced on Thursday, February 25th. So print your card, fill that out, enter into the draw. Once completed, return the card for your chance to win prizes, including a grand prize of a $200 gift card. What? Nice. That's amazing. So the goal is to connect with at least seven people over the week, but of course, the more the merrier. So that is what um, FCSS is doing in our tri-region. As we mentioned, February is Black History Month and the theme for 2021 is the Black family, representation, identity and diversity. As part of our Black History Month celebration, 
we have an interview with Library Board and Advocacy Committee member Jan Gillett, speaking about her family and their rich history here in Canada. A lot of contributions in Black Canadian history oftentimes have been minimized or uh, it just isn't taught in schools and it's not widely known all the contributions that Black Canadians have contributed to their community and to history. And Black Canadians have been here since Canada became a country, right alongside the other pioneers and settlers. But a lot isn't known about the early settlements where they lived or the contributions to their communities or history as well. And so I get very excited when it's February and it's a chance to celebrate uh, within my own family and my own descendants, as well as just in the larger community to celebrate contributions from Black Canadians and to highlight that to a younger generation and to friends and family who maybe aren't aware of those contributions and, and how they're important in our community. So I wanted to uh, tell you guys a little bit about my family's story. In the beginning, there's a story about one of my descendants, Henry Dangerfield Lawson, who escaped slavery in the U.S and came through the Underground Railroad up into Eastern Canada into an area called the Queen's Bush Settlement. It was one of the largest Black pioneer settlements of the time. There's about 1,500 fugitive slaves and free people living there, Black Canadians. They came up and when they came up that way, they're pretty destitute. They come to Canada but they don't have any land grants, they don't have any money. And so that was an area that was not farmed or forested yet. And so the government didn't mind for people to settle there. So there's about 1500 black Canadians settling there and they faced some real hardships like severe winters, poverty, starvation. Um, they were competing against other white laborers for jobs. It was, I just think of the spirit of those pioneer people who first started out in those areas. They had to be strong, hardy people to survive um, the winters and the discrimination and the hardship. You know, it, it could not have been an easy life. So my descendants were part of that community. And from that community, one of the things that was the center of that community is always been the church. The church has always been a major social um, place for, for communities. And in that community, the church was as well. So my great aunt is actually the Reverend Addie Ilstock, who is was the first Black ordained minister in the British Methodist Episcopalian Church. She was the first female ordained minister in all of Canada at the time. So that was uh, a really cool connection to that community. And uh, the church was just a place that really helped Black Canadians continue their culture. It was a place they could continue their music, their family connections, their speech, their way of life. And so it was a center of social gathering and the clergy from the church were often leaders of the community. So they really depended on the church I think, to help keep the community together. So just a neat connection to somebody historical in our family there. And then, of course, as time has gone on, 
Black Canadians have gone all across Canada. John Ware was one of the first Black cowboys in the Calgary area, but it took longer for Black Canadians to kind of come across Canada because of the land here, the country was explored. Of course, Black Canadians also went across the country. But my family has deep roots in Eastern Canada. And uh, my grandmother is uh, Rella Ailstock Braithwaite. And she was a well-known author and wrote about Black Canadian history. Uh, she wrote a column for the West Hill Times there. In 1946, my grandmother and my grandfather moved to Scarborough area. So those people who were living a lot in the Queensbush area in about 1840s, the government came in and surveyed the land and basically took it over. So if you were able to, you could buy that land but people had worked the land for years and if they couldn't buy it, they were forced to move off of it. So a lot of those early black settlers were forced into the cities, into Kitchener and Toronto and Waterloo and all that area. And so that distinct community kind of broke up and ended up, they ended up settling more in that whole area. And so my grandparents were one of those people who in 1946 ended up in Scarborough in a house there and were one of the first black settlers in in that area where they lived and uh, I actually remember visiting my grandparents there when I was little and it was a dirt road with just this little red hanging light and if you go by there today it's fully paved intersection with a full stop sign and and all around them there's businesses and schools and houses and when I first you know 50 plus years ago I used to visit my grandparents there there was nothing there but their house. So that whole area has been built up since then. So that's a little bit about my family. And I just think that I like to celebrate my family's history in Canada and uh, take this time in February to celebrate all the stories. There's so many contributions of people in different communities that have contributed to our history. Well, my grandparents, uh, Rella Ailstock and Bob Braithwaite, moved to Scarborough in 1946. My grandmother became very active in the school board and in the community. She uh, wrote many articles for the local paper. She wrote books. She was very involved in fighting racism and bringing awareness into the community of Black history and bettering the community. She was a real advocate for how to make the community a better place. So my grandfather had a really difficult time. He worked for a while at a plant packing asbestos bags back in the day because it was the only kind of job that he could get. But he ended up starting his own trucking and scrap metal company, which was eventually carried on by one of his sons, which would be my uncle, um, eventually carried on by him after my grandpa passed away in 1995. So they faced um, a lot of hardship when they moved into the area. There was not a lot of Black families in the area. And of course, they'd come from a community that was used to closer ties. So it was a very difficult time for them in the early days. So they lived there. They had eight children, my father being the oldest of those eight children. So they had eight children. Most of those uh, children, you know, grew up and had families and actually still live in that area today. One of them, my aunt, Diana Braithwaite, has gone on to be a award-winning blues singer. 
And so she's put out many albums. And that's one of the things that was a gift for my grandparents. My grandmother played the piano and my grandparents were always very musical. Whenever we were at their house, there was always lots of song, music and food to be had. <laughs> and so that, that legacy of music has really passed down in our family. And so quite a lot of people in my family are singers or, and artists. There's a lot of painters and sculptors and quite a legacy of art in our family as well. So, but I think the greatest gift my grandparents passed down to me was a sense of pride of my family, my culture. And even though I was born in Canada, have lived you know here my whole life, and now I live in Western Canada, I still have a connection to my, you know, the descendants, my ancestors who first came and settled in this country. And, and that's one of the things they instilled in us is to be proud of who we are and our, our past and our culture. So I'm really thankful that um, my grandparents took the time to help us understand our family history and history. And, but a lot of those um, oral stories from families, they, that's all we have because many of Black Canadians, many of our written down history, I mean, they couldn't write themselves, right? And a lot of that history, other people didn't think was important enough to record names or locations or activities. And so there are documents where there's only, you know, Black people's names are recorded by their first name only. And so it's difficult for us to really trace our history. So those oral traditions become very important because it's, it's the last truth of a lot of the family's connections that we have. A big thank you to Jan Gillett. We're very honoured that she chose to share her fascinating story with us today. So that's it for us today. Next episode, it's going to be looking into the Valentine's episode of love. <sighs> the love episode. We have a Harlequin romance author here on our little podcast and we might even talk a bit about star trek because she is a big star trek fan like me so courtney you'll be outnumbered yeah i gotta find i gotta find a buddy tune in next time for another exciting episode of behind the stacks bye bye, bye.